welcome to the Joplin Toadcast brought to you by JoplinToad.com. This episode's guests are local pastor Jaron Scott and head of diversity at Ozark Christian College, Matthew McBurt. Stepping into a more heated topic than you'll usually see addressed here at the Toad, host Mark N. has a down-to-earth conversation with two black Joplin residents, talking through what the current Black Lives Matter conversation is actually about. Over the next two episodes, Jaron and Matthew use grace, humor, experience, and wisdom to help us better understand what the BLM movement is and what it isn't. They'll walk through a series of common debate questions covering topics like police brutality, the ethics of rioting, media bias, what systemic racism actually means, and the important difference between racism and indifference. This conversation aims to skip the political element of the debate and get to the true heart of it helping us better love and understand our black and brown friends and neighbors in Joplin and everywhere. Here we go. guys, welcome to the Joplin Toadcast. Uh, I am Mark Neinschwander, Toad Editor, Head Toad, CE Toad, uh, CF Toad. I'm here with two uh, very special guests today. Uh, I have Matthew McBirth and Jerron Scott. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Glad thank to be you. here. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm super excited to have you guys here today. So um, for folks that don't know you guys, why don't you just give me a quick introduction? Um, who are you? Yeah, so name is Matthew McBirth. I've uh, been living in Joplin now for about eight years. I work at Ozark Christian College um, right off Main Street, and I serve there as the director of diversity. And uh, just recently um, got added to my responsibilities to be a full-time faculty member as well. So I'm going to be teaching some more classes in the fall. Uh, I have a wife named Allison. Uh, we have a two-year-old son. Uh, his name is Asa. And, uh, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, I love rap music. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. I just, I just learned a lot about rap music in the last 10 minutes before we started recording. I need to release that as a separate podcast. <laughs> the secret files. <laughs> um, I'm Jerron Scott. I, um, lived in Joplin for seven years, I believe, uh, came in the fall of 2013 for college at Ozark Christian college. Um, then I graduated and now I'm on staff as the associate pastor of Christ Church of Joplin. Um, my wife and Chelsea and I, we've been married for two years. We don't have a child. Uh, we have a dog named Roscoe. He lives a very happy life. Um, I also love rap music. So there's that. <laughs> Stereotypical. Uh, wait, yes. I'm fine with keeping oh, well, those you stereotypes. You guys are fine what we expected. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's actually uh, an excellent comedic tie-in to our topic today. That's really good. Uh, which is, you know, essentially um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now. Um, so you are two black guys that... Uh, <laughs> that I've gotten to know better over the last few weeks. I'm very thankful for that. Um, And I wanted to talk to you guys because there's just been a lot of conversation, a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, um, you know, around the whole Black Lives Matter movement um, and even a bigger movement just than even that, you know, those, that's the, the easiest name I think we can give it. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, the conclusion I came to is I'm, I'm still just a white dude in the Midwest, you know, that hasn't had a lot of the experiences you guys have had. What I, the experiences I have had recently are just having a lot of debates and conversations, um, and, and asking a lot of questions and having a lot of people ask questions as I'm listening. Um, and you know, I've, I've started working through those and, um, I realized I needed help answering them. <laughs> and so, uh, what we're going to do today is, uh, we're going to walk through basically a series of arguments. I hate to use the word argument because, you know, this isn't a fight, but, uh, you know, maybe I should, it would be better to say questions raised against, um, against the current movement. And so, um, especially in, predominantly white communities, you know, people I know and love, um, 
are seeing these movements happen and they don't understand them. You know, they don't really get what's going on. Um, and they, and they see a lot of things surrounding these movements, um, like rioting and looting and, you know, just a lot of that anger. Um, and sometimes that's, that's all they see and they don't, you know, they don't understand, um, a lot of the other aspects of it. And so what I want to do today is walk through, um, hopefully we get through them all. If not, okay, it's okay. But, um, I wrote down, you know, basically 10 arguments and, and we're just going to go through them. So I'm going to, I'm going to read off those arguments really quick, just up front so that everybody knows exactly what we're going to be talking about. And then we'll go back and go into them one by one. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm pair like, I'm never quoting anyone directly. I'm paraphrasing a lot, you know, a collective of responses I've seen, or sometimes even thoughts I've had, you know, as I'm trying to understand. So, um, yeah, argument or, or question number one, um, riots are bad. Um, I see, I see people burning cities down. This upsets me. Um, I, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, number two, but I'm not racist. I have a black friend, you know, uh, so I don't see the problem. I don't see why, you know, I need to change anything. Uh, number three, but what about this other thing? What about this other injustice? Um, are you saying that black lives matter is more important than that? Number four, cops are mostly good. Why do we keep attacking them because of the actions of a few bad eggs? Uh, number five, what about blacks perpetuating violence in their own culture? Um, a lot of the rap music I've heard, you know, glorifying violence and all that. Um, so how, how is it not partially their fault because of that? Number six, the media makes everything a race issue, which means things are getting blown out of proportion. Number seven, we got racism out of our system here in our area. We don't really, we're not really dealing with that. We got past it. Why are you bringing it back up again? Number eight, uh, everyone has a chance to build their lives from the ground up in America. Uh, why, why are we talking so much about, you know, black people have just as much a chance as anyone. Number nine, this is a liberal movement and I'm conservative. How do I know this isn't all constructed by liberal media to make something out of nothing? And number 10, uh, the removal of Southern heritage monuments is offensive to me. I'm really bothered by the idea of people removing my heritage or other people's heritage. Why should we remove history just to make some people happy? Where does that end? So there it is, guys. There's, <laughs> there's our thoughts. I'm sure there's plenty more. Those are the ones I've seen come up the most. Um, so um, let's dig in if you guys are ready. Yeah. Um, I'll go first just with the rioting, uh, starting there. Um, first of all, thank you for all these, bringing these questions or assertions or arguments, whatever we're calling them. Um, I think they are very important to talk about. So I'm glad to be doing this. Uh, I want to start by agreeing. Yeah. Riots are bad. Um, yeah. rioting is not a good thing. Um, I, I think a majority of people would agree with that statement as well. Um, and so, but I think what this uh, assertion or this question or this argument about rioting um, is actually playing into um, what national media does, right? Um, the media acts as if uh, minute things are much bigger. Um, and so what I mean by that is, a, a, a large a majority of people who are protesting aren't rioting. Uh, a large majority of people are not looting. Um, it is actually a very small minority of people who are choosing to do that. And we've actually seen videos. I think this is the crazy thing. You see videos of people who literally show up to a protest and then vandalize a building and they are completely decked out and like a mask or something like that to where you, and I don't mean like a mask for like COVID. I mean a mask where you cannot identify who they are. Mm -hmm. They break the windows of a building and they literally leave. 
I mean, these people are coming to start violence, to um, end peaceful protests. And so I think what takes place is that either through the media or just social media, people having videos um, or the aftermath of it, what we see is we actually end up taking the peace for protesters and we and we lump them into this group um, who is just there to start violence. And so I think for me, Writing is bad, and I think most people would agree with that. I think I think most people that say the phrase "Black Lives Matter," um, I do want to make a distinguish uh, between the organization of Black Lives Matter and those who say the phrase "Black mm, Lives yeah, Matter." So this is something I've heard a lot more in the last yeah. week or two, where there's some people that say, "Have you looked at the roots of Black Lives Matter and that organization? Like, there's some violent things there." So you know, so and it makes people want to not trust the entire movement. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to hear you talk about that. And, a bit. and I'll just briefly talk about it. But Black Lives Matter is three words that can be detached from an organization that also calls it by or calls their name that. And I think that's what we actually see is that um, people are not saying Black Lives Matter pointing to the organization. They're just holding on to that phrase. No, Black Lives do matter. And so I try my best. And you see this on social media. Um, I even try my best to lowercase all that stuff. <laughs> like the words black hmm. lives matter. It's interesting how it changes I, the connotation. Yeah, of yeah. It. because I think when people do see BLM all capital or hashtag BLM, they do see the organization. And I, I mean, as someone um, that has looked at their beliefs and their goals and, and the people who run it, I do have some problems um, with what they're trying to get to and how they're trying to get there. Um, but their message of Black Lives Matter, they don't own that. They, they, can't, they don't have claim to that truth that Black Lives Matter. Um, we can all hold on to that truth. And so I am perfectly fine of saying Black Lives Matter and saying... I don't agree with the organization completely and fully. So anyway, so when people are saying Black Lives Matter, that doesn't mean that they're for rioting. Um, that's a very minute case um, of people who are for rioting. And usually they're not even for Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. you know, I talked with my wife about this a few days ago. Of um, I just pointed out in a lot of the, the videos I've seen of stuff hitting the fan, the people who've been burning everything down it's hard to believe that they're burning everything down for black lives. Um, if they were, if they were, I think they'd be doing stuff a little bit differently as opposed to marching through any and every city they can find breaking any and every window going to war against public officials for it's like, do you care about black lives or you angsty, you mad um, back to the original question. When someone Every time someone's asked, brought up rioting to me in a conversation with me, um, this is just off of intuition. It seems like it's been an attempt to delegitimize everything yes. of, oh, there are there's a group in Portland rioting right now and burning everything down. Therefore, everything is delegitimized. There's no such thing as racism. This is some liberal lie about the cops. Um, I mean, with that, I'd I'd really push for consistency and logic um, because those we it's not fair of us to say because there is a cop who kneeled on George Floyd's neck that all cops should be gone. Reverse that. It's not fair to say because there's a group in one city that's burning stuff down that the whole movement should be leg delegitimized. So one, I'd, I mean, step back and say riots are such a small part. And with that in mind, that riots are such a small part, a bad part, but they're a small part. St take a step back. And I'd ask, what actually is making you uncomfortable? Is it the riots or is it the noise? Mm. Well, and as um, what, what I've what I've used to kind of help people think about it a little bit is like, you know, I'm I'm a white male Christian. Um, can I tell you? how many white male Christians have set a terrible example for what I believe in and how many people have been burned, you know, by people that have, have done terrible things in the name of Jesus from the crusades all the way up to now, you know? Um, and, and I have to acknowledge that when people say, look, I was in church and this terrible thing happened or this person said they're a Christian and they did this awful thing or they're violent or whatever. And I have to say, 
yeah, that sucks. But that doesn't delegitimize what I believe. It's it's such a like what I've witnessed in our culture is that we have such an either or mentality. It's either all bad or it's all good. It's either completely truthful or it's a complete lie. And so you you apply that to this. It's like either black lives matter that the people who are for that phrase are for violence or they're not for violence. And when they, when they see on the media that there's violence taking place, whatever it is, um, they're like, okay, they're for violence. Well, it's like, no, how can there can be both present? Like there can be people who are perfectly fine with rioting and, and, and that being their way to accomplish what they're trying to say. And there can be some people who like are completely against that. Humanity is way more complex than that. Um, I think we try to make things no pun intended, but so black and white, you know? Um, so anyway, and, and I think I want to say one more thing. I'm not going to go too much into it, but when we talk about violence, it, it, if we want to stay consistent, <laughs> Violence is so much a part of our DNA as a country. You know, we wanted this land and I'm not even pointing fingers here. I'm just telling history. We wanted, we came over to this land, this new world. We wanted it. We did violence toward the natives. We got the land. Um, I'm not saying that's good or bad. You can decide. Um, we wanted to be done with being underneath the tyranny of England. What do we do? War, violence, and we got it. We are now a free nation, right? Um, and you can just keep going down the list all the way, you know, you get to um, Pearl Harbor where Japan attacks us. What do we do? We respond with violence. Now, we end up, they, you know, drop a bomb on us and, and kill us. We drop a nuclear bomb on them, you know? And again, I'm not trying to say it's either bad or it's good, but this is kind of our our history. And so we shouldn't be surprised when some people think, well, violence is how, is how people got things in the past. Like, why can't I do that now? Right. And it just sucks because like, I think people are feeling like, oh, well, it's not okay if it's violence towards me, but it was okay if it was violence towards somebody else. Um, so I think we just got to be consistent, um, with that instead of immediately brushing off. Well, oh, that's wrong. I'm not for them. Yeah. That's a really good answer, man. Um, let's go ahead and, and skip to our, our next point. We're drinking some bearded lady here. <laughs> a second. Um, <laughs> this next one, the next question is I personally am not racist. I even got a black friend. <laughs> It's probably um, you, Jerron. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's one of us. <laughs> so, um, you two guys are yeah, like the black friend to half of town. So. Um, <laughs> I, I have a black friend. I don't practice racism and I haven't seen it firsthand. Therefore, it doesn't exist where I am. And there's nothing I personally am responsible for. I, th th this is purely personal, Matt. You can disagree with me. This might not even be wise. This is just like personal thought process oh, yeah. uh, process. <laughs> I, I appreciate the disclaimer. I mean, yeah. I mean, just like Jerron as a human where I'm at, I see that statement is complete BS because I know humans. Um, I'd, I don't put it past humans to, to have some sort of hate or despising in our heart towards other humans, even if we don't think we have it. For example, I um, know people who've grown up in predominantly white communities, and I'll flip this to a black community and talk about myself and my own family after this, who've grown up in predominantly white communities where there's no Hispanics, no people of color, no anything. And jokes that are normal to them aren't classified as racist where they're at. But as soon as a Hispanic comes into town and they actually say that to the Hispanic, they'll find out that's probably one of the most racist jokes you could have made. And it's like a fish doesn't know what's in water until someone points it out to him. So to say I'm not racist, it's like maybe you have some racism in you and you just haven't been made aware of it. So I think, I mean, we got to be humble enough to, to, to one self-reflect and say, this might be in me. I found out it was in me after my wife and I got married and I had family come visit. And one of my family members just so happened to be on the phone with another family member with my wife in the kitchen. 
And this family member who's in my house as I'm at work is on the phone with another family member and says, oh, yeah, you know, those white people, they can't cook worth nothing. And this and that and the whatnot. And my <laughs> wife is in the kitchen. And, and so I come home after work and my wife is like torn up. And it wasn't till days later to where she finally told me the conversation. And I remember growing up around those conversations and thinking, that's not that's totally fine. You know, I'm, only I'm not joking. racist. I'm not racist. <laughs> yeah. I'm married to a white woman, you know, and it's like, but these are thoughts that are, are I'm going to be on are still embedded in me. Even as I'm married to a white woman that I'm becoming more aware of after self-reflection. Mm. So, well, and can I, can I jump in really quick? I think one of the things I'm seeing a lot is and I, I've had this conversation with a few different people where we say we kind of wish that there was another word in between racist and not racist, because that's where most of us are is in the middle ground. Because when yes. I hear someone say, well, I'm not racist and I'll hear them say it when no one said they were actually, you know, at least not to them personally. And so there's there's already that defensiveness. Um and I get that, you know, I get defensive. I've had to work on that. Um, but I, I think when they hear the word racist, they think KKK, like that level, you know, like I want to go lynch someone um, when that's not really what we mean <laughs> when we say racism. Um, and I don't know if you have, you guys have that, some thoughts on, say, that, on everything racism, racism can encompass. Yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. define and racism? I think that's the big issue is our definition of racism is so all over the map and and that's partly due to within the last decade or so of it of anti-racism's definition coming forward and if you if the audience know what that is we can talk about that later on of course but just it's just a different definition of what racism is right um and john you and i have talked about this uh mark have even talked to you about it but the definition of anti that anti-racism gives is uh those who are in power so, which would mean in the United States, that would be Anglo-Americans, white people, um, who have prejudice are racist, which I think is very interesting because that's never how racism has ever been thought of. Like in the history of the term, racism is always an action. It's always a, it is an act of discriminating against someone, um, I think what you're talking about, Jaron, is prejudice. It's literally prejudging someone. You are taking a stereotype of individuals that you've met, and then you are ascribing that onto an entire group of people. Now, what comes from that, usually discriminatory or discriminatory acts come from that, right? And so you choose, I'm going to use a ridiculous example, just following up, but you choose not to eat white people's food, right? So you don't go to their business. You don't, you don't, like, that would be discrimination in that moment. But having those thoughts, I would never call racism because we don't do that about other stuff, right? Like, if a person is a recovering alcoholic, okay, they've been sober. So my, this is my, this is my family's story. Like alcoholism is all throughout my family's history. Um, but if you have someone that's been sober for a year, but every now and then they have the inclination to go off and, you know, drink a 40 ounce right there, you know, but they don't do it. You would not say that person is now an alcoholic again because they had those thoughts. We would say, no, you're just still struggling, though, with those thoughts. and You still have that inclination. So, yeah, you still need to work on yourself. But we wouldn't say, man, you're an alcoholic now because you thought about it, but you never did anything. So for those who are saying I'm not racist, I'm usually like, yeah, you're probably not actually racist unless you unless you have done well, something. I, yeah, I mean, so much of it is is intent. Yeah. You know, and it's like what they're saying when they say I'm not racist is I'm not like I'm not a hateful person. I do not have that hateful intent. I do not dislike black people like or you don't you know, look, and, they, you don't. and they're so afraid of, of saying like if they have to admit, well, I maybe I've had this racist thought or maybe I have been discriminatory or or, you know, said something kind of clueless about black people unintentionally. You know, if I if I admit that action, 
then I have to say, oh, I did a racist thing, and now I'm labeled a racist, oh, yeah, and you, I can't you, handle it. You get that. an R stamped on you. Like, yeah, you are, which isn't you, fair. <laughs> yeah, which isn't fair. Exactly. I completely agree. I think, so I want to acknowledge that. I want to say, yeah, I actually don't think a majority of, of people in our country, when it comes to, usually we, we call white people racist. I think a majority of white people in our country are not racist. This is my issue with the whole George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, um, Ahmaud Arbery things. Um when we see that George Floyd has a police officer whose knee is on his neck for what was it? Eight minutes, nine minutes, something like that. We see that video and we immediately say that police officer has to be racist because he is killing an unarmed black man who is crying for his mom. And so we say racist. It's like, you know what? I don't even know that guy. I don't know that police officer. I don't know. I don't know if he was a frequent thing I've seen thrown to that is like, he probably would have done the same thing to a white guy. Maybe possibly. Possibly. Now, (laughs) now here is where my challenge though comes. We don't have a hate problem. In my opinion, we, it still exists in our country. Um, but I don't think it's a racism problem as much as it is an indifference problem that we are indifferent to our neighbors issues. And it just so happens to be usually our neighbors of color because we don't grow up how they grow up. We don't live in the part of town that they live in. And we have one black friend and he never experienced that. So everyone else must be lying about that. And so we're just indifferent to it. We think, oh, it can't really be that bad. And that's not okay. Like, to, for society to exist, for you to have a community, you have to look out for your neighbor because you would want someone to do the same for you. So when someone says, I feel like I am being treated differently because of the color of my skin, and then we say, oh, I've never experienced that before, or my my, my black friend never experienced that, which maybe he or she has and just hasn't told you, um, but then but we just write it off and say, well, no, that can't happen. Not here. It's like that's that's indifference and that's not OK. And and I call out Christians specifically. Um, I know more than Christians are, um, are are listening to this, but I call out Christians specifically because Jesus says that we're supposed to love our neighbor. And indifference is the opposite of that. Love is taking care of your neighbor, asking what you can do and trying to apply what you can. Indifference is saying, I don't have to really worry about it. And then when stuff like this happens, you can be let off the hook because you're not racist. And actually it just allows the system to continue to exist. Like I think we do have a systemically uh, racist society and that doesn't mean that we have individuals who have intentions. But I'll talk a little bit later about some statistics where it you can definitely see that there is disparity when it comes to trying to move up in society here when it comes to or pertaining to your race. And if we're indifferent to that, then we're just going to allow that to continue to exist because it doesn't actually affect us. Yeah, one, so, of, yeah. one of the things that I've or two things that I've thought of a lot the past few weeks is, Matt, you said that. um um, love is the opposite of indifference. Um, I want to add one to that list. Um, probably add something that go. there's indifference on one end, love on the other end. And I think I'd put empathy right in the middle. Um, one of the things, I mean, when someone says, oh, that doesn't exist, I, or they discount what someone's saying regarding race is it's an app. It's an absolute lack of empathy. It's a, it's a refusal to empathize of, to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen and I'm going to try to understand. Um, one of the things I've seen is that when someone is able to empathize, that's when the world changes of when let's say a white friend sits down and listens to, um, someone of a person of color story, then they see something on the news and they're able to feel with the black community and understand with the black community. Um, and then, I mean, after that, I've had people say, well, what do I do? And the first thing is always, well, you got to eliminate racism or, or racist thoughts within you. But the bigger challenge is, and the hardest thing is to eliminate racist tendencies in your immediate community and friend group. Like what's it look like to kill the jokes? What's it look like to say, yeah, that's not okay. Um, what's it look like to do that at work? 
What, um, so yeah, I'd say when people say I'm not racist, I'm off the hook. It's like, no, I think we all black, white, Mexican, whatever, we're all on the hook to say, okay, not just within me, but in my broader community, if I see something, I've yeah. got to kill it. Well, Call I, it I, out. I appreciate your, <laughs> you know, what you said earlier about your family and how it, you know, goes the other way too. And I think that it points out just like, dude, we all do it. Like everyone is looking down on someone else. All of us do it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. I used to say, I used to say (sighs) stinking white people. Like, I mean, I used to say stuff like that out loud. Now those who don't, you clearly don't see me because this is a podcast, audio podcast. My mom's white. (laughs) I mean, half of my family is white, right? I am, I'm African-American, but I also have descendants from Europe. And so when I, I, and so part of me felt like I could actually say that because I, because I am white, you know? And so I was like, I could say that I'm calling out myself, but it never came across that way. It was always me looking down upon people. And, and even now to, I still, to be honest, I said it last night when I was talking to my wife about stuff, just seeing stuff on social media, people posting and it, tend to be a lot of white people saying it. And my initial reaction was like, gosh, man, freaking white people. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just not okay. You know, like we, like we have to check ourselves on that. And my love, my lovely white wife does <laughs> check me on that. Um, and so it, it goes both ways. It goes always. It's not just a black and white thing. It exists. It exists between black people who are darker skin and black people who are lighter skin. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you told me that yeah. and I'd never heard that. Oh yeah. Like, you know, then again, I, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, well, that's oh, interesting. Totally. I mean, I'm sure you have stories. And in I have high stories. school, I was team dark skin until I oh, died. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, team dark skin, team light skin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Died, and wow. you joke about it. It's funny, but it's like, no, that has history to it. You, that, that goes back to slavery where you have, I mean, Malcolm X talks about this, right? You have the, you have the, yeah, you have the house Negroes and then you have the field and I'm not going to go into what he says, but yeah. who, who the house Negroes are usually lighter skinned probably be, and they were probably house Negroes because their dad was the master. Yeah. Or they had someone somehow related to the master or the, the or the owner of the plantation. And so that's why when we talk about racial jokes, we I, I can I cannot bring myself to be okay with it anymore. I mean, I used to be fine with racial jokes, but I know the history too much now to understand like why that's not okay. That it, it has it it has it its roots in racism. And now we get away with it because it's racism doesn't exist anymore. Quotation marks around racism doesn't exist anymore. So anyway, thanks for saying your quotation. Yes. Marks. Yes. No yeah. One can see yeah. No one else can see that. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's uh, really awesome stuff guys. And I, yeah, I know, I know some, one of the, one of the ladies that we interviewed the other day for the, the videos that we have coming out, talked about, um, like the father of a friend or maybe it was a grandfather trying to connect to her by saying black jokes whenever she was around. It's just like, then again, you have to look at that and say like, is that a racist action? Yes. But he also like the intention was actually good. It was just very misguided, you know? And that's a lot of what we have to look at is like, it's not evil intent. Can I ask a question? Yes. Um, I heard, I want to know what both of y'all think about this. Um, This is connected to the question we just asked. Um, And Mark, what you said made me think of it. I heard recently someone defined racism as, or they defined racism as um, ascribing inferiority or treating someone like they're inferior based off of a physical feature, regardless of intent. So one, this opens up racism to being, um, I mean, anyone can. I I actually kind of like that definition. Honestly, I, I I had to think about it more to actually give my, I don't know, final answer on it. But we just mentioned Malcolm X. You said you're reading through his autobiography, Mark? No, I, and I actually, I, I got the names mixed up. I'm reading that the, um, 
Is it Ibermax book? The um, about oh, racism yes, and yes. Anti- like, like basically our entire whatever. history of racism. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. um, Malcolm X talks about this actually in in his in his story. He grew up in a predominantly white town in Michigan, and his friends at school, all white. The people that he lived with, because he he had a very traumatic childhood, so he ended up living with with white people. He didn't live with his mom, or his dad was lynched, and his mom went crazy. Um, and I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean like she, because of the trauma, literally could not cope, and so she couldn't take care of her kids anymore. Anyway, his peers, his family that he lived with, and the place that he worked, they all saw him as a good Negro, but they would continue to call him terms that were dehumanizing or in, they made him feel like he was inferior to them. Whether that was the N word or that was coon, whatever it was, um, or just treat him. Oh, you're not like the other Negroes, you know, and they had no ill intent to make him feel like he was inferior. And then he went away and he spent some time um, in Boston area and then came back and he and he was with his family there. It was a predominantly black uh, community. He came back to Michigan and he started realizing how it, it did actually make him feel inferior. So intent is important, but. It, it, it's like the example. It's not a free pass, though. Yeah, it's not a free pass. <laughs> say I don't have the intent. because it's like what you just said. If you a fish does not recognize, if you were to yeah. say describe to me water, it would just be like, what are you talking about? This is just my life, yeah. right? And so you can be perfectly fine and not have. You could love the person. And you can still call them something that is saying you're actually superior to them. So anyway, yeah. that's just, yeah. I kind of, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to morph that into my definition too. I've been too. toying with intention. Mark, you've said something about intention. I've been uh, wrestling, I'd say, with intention a lot recently. Um, long story short, in grad school, just finished a per- interpersonal conflict class. And one of the big keys that we were given was don't um, let your intent uh, exonerate you of responsibility for the impact. Mm. And see, so, that's just good. Like I didn't mean to, right. Therefore right, right. <laughs> I'm off the hook. That's you know? uh, I mean, shoot, that's marriage counseling advice. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, tell your wife like, well, I didn't mean to be late. It doesn't matter. You're late for dinner. That's She's going to be ticked there off and hurt. There are no you know? relationships where I didn't mean to excuse yeah, me. Like, there are people yeah, that logic who are, doesn't really apply anywhere. There are people yeah. who are in prison for life. And so for I, drunk driving, because and they didn't mean to kill right, that person. By yeah, and so I, I feel like the the takeaways from what we've talked about here is one, it's true if you don't have the intention of racism, it's probably not fair to just straight up say you're a racist, you know. And so that's not what we're saying to most of our white people that are listening to this, you know. However, yeah, that doesn't at the same time that doesn't exonerate racist thoughts or. You know, even if the intention isn't there yeah, and and indifference, like you talked about, I'm going to pose a question and then not answer. And we're going to move on to the next one. (laughs) Nice. Bold. Yeah. So no pressure. We hyped this up a lot. It may not be that good. But I think what this is saying is, can you be not a racist, but still do racist acts? Mm. I think that's, I think that's kind of what we're getting at. Mm. Can you not be a racist and do racist acts? And I think I'm not going to answer it. But that's that's, I think that's, that's, a, I think that's, that's what we, we need to wrestle with. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's actually that's what we need more of in our culture right now is asking questions and not answering. Them yeah, immediately. yeah. Like we don't know how to do that, how to just ponder mm. a question yeah. anymore. I, we give I, an immediate answer and so that we can move on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. some of these things you can't just move on from. Yeah. So, all right, let's hop to our next our next question. Yeah, um, I want to give a quick answer to this one. Um, it's about the what, what about other injustices, right? Um, bring up another issue of injustice, and then questioning why BLM is more and important. Let me expand on that just yeah, really yeah. quick. The, the 
something else I thought of that it probably could have been a separate question, but is, you know, the thought that goes with, with that is basically like, is the, the black lives matter versus all lives matter or black lives matter versus blue lives matter. And so I'm seeing a lot of that where we're, and I, I, then again, I don't think the intent is bad to say, no, all lives matter, you know, I think, but I, I think they don't understand what black lives matter actually means, what is actually trying to be said here. And yeah. so, yeah, no. And I, again, I, I think it's a great thing to pose, to, to bring forth when people say black lives matter, they're not saying black lives matter only. They're not saying black lives matter more. I almost just want you to say that again because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I just, people yeah, don't, yeah. there's so many people that don't understand that, yeah. that that's, we're not saying they matter more. Yeah. When people say black lives matter, they're not saying they matter more or they matter only. Um, it is simply saying we live in a society where there are, seems to be racial acts that show that black lives don't matter. And we're here to say we're not for that. Um, the crazy thing is that if we actually want to talk about the organization of BLM, they're not just about Black Lives Matter. They actually do more stuff than that. They are for women's rights. Uh, I mean, they're whatever you want to call them. They're not. I don't think they would call themselves CEOs, but their founders are all women, and they understand that there is sexism uh, not only in the broader. Um, community, but within the black community itself. And so they talk about that too. So it's not just about race. They, they go into gender and stuff too. Um, and not just like when it comes to male and female, but they go into sexual orientation and stuff like that. And so they're not just about justice for black people. They actually do fight for justice for more um, than that. But Whenever, we, but the people who say "Black Lives Matter" are just the phrase, and who are not necessarily with the organization or for the organization, we're not trying to say that this is the only thing we can talk about right now when it comes to justice. We have a great friend. Um, we all, Sergio Rizzo, um, been living in Joplin for most of his life, um, and he challenges me on this a lot. Because I, I am always bringing up racism towards African-Americans. Well, Sergio is Hispanic from Chicago, very different um, upbringing and experiences. And not just there, but here in Joplin. And he has been treated unkindly, too, because of the color yeah. of his skin. Well, and I've, so, I've probably witnessed far more racism toward Hispanics in this area than it's I different. have toward blacks. It's very, part of that is yeah. there's not as many blacks. Sure. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I, I get that it's some a different, of it, it's but. a different kind too. Um, they're, they're different stereotypes. And so we, we do. So I do want to say with that, we do have to make sure we are not only talking about justice for one group. And I think because of the society that, that we live in it, like it's like all or nothing, Oh, like with this one group, we don't care about anything else. Um, and we have to understand that. No, like, like Dr. King said, justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere or injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And so this is the type of mentality that we had to have. And you actually saw this with Dr. King's life. So he was very much for African-American civil rights. They did not have the right to vote, really. And so 1964-65, they get the, the rights to vote. Well, he kind of shifted his campaign a little bit and started looking more at those who are impoverished. He actually started looking more across the seas and looking into Africa and fighting for justice there. Um, now, of course, his life was taken very soon. So we actually can't see what would have come from that. But so I want to hear that. Uh, what about other injustices? Yeah, I think that's good. We need to yeah, think about that. That's very yeah. personal for some people. Yeah, because I've had conversations with people that have faced terrible injustices their whole life, whether it be, you know, sexism, yeah. you know, because I had that conversation with my mom who has all of these um, medical disorders and things. And it's just in the doctor's office a lot. She's like, do you know how different it is being a woman in the doctor's office than being a man in the doctor's office? You know, to which I had to be like, no, I don't like, I, you know, I didn't realize that she's like, yeah. And so when I see, 
you know, I've talked to a lot of people that are facing their own injustice and they're frustrated because they're like, why is your injustice more important than my own? You know? And then sometimes that's coupled with, you know, well, we're not writing about it, <laughs> you know, about our thing. You know? And it's, so that's hard. I think trying to help people understand that like this conversation is really important right now, but it, it doesn't mean that the advocators of it are saying it's more important than anything else. Yeah. Um, and, and just trying to, and I'm even trying to understand that, like, you know, why is this so important right now? Why is this being pushed so hard? right now. And again, we have to go back to the media and the media does, they overplay this type of stuff, you know, um, like African American communities recognize this too, that the media overshows the death of black people by police officers. Like, like it is so like to a disrespectful yeah, amount. Yeah. To it's, a like, disrespectful it's like, what amount. are you trying? Are you trying that, that to, that's so interesting to hear you say that. Are you, are you trying to, ingrain in our minds that we actually are inferior because you because we it gets stuff like that i mean the african-american communities do not they're not cool with the news either always you know see that's that's fascinating to me because as a white guy i would have assumed any time that injustice is shown against black people in the media you're like yes it's being highlighted that's a good thing i I mean it's (laughs) absolutely rant (laughs) <laughs> bring it on because i just brought up a super clueless thought so you can go off on it like, it's <laughs> absolutely dehumanizing huh 70 years ago when a white crowd would lynch a black man they'd take a picture make it a postcard and send it around a country oh i just found out about that that's awful when michael brown's dead body is laying in the middle of that street in ferguson and that picture is all that we see for two months as if Michael Brown's not a human, but he's some object, this some some display, per se, for the media to be like, boom, here's some ratings for you. Like, this will get our ratings. Put this dead body up there. Here's some ratings. Put this dead body up there. Political election season, put that dead body up there. It's like, that's extremely dehumanizing. And there's nothing but greed behind it. Oh, totally. Nothing but greed behind it. That's a money grab. They're playing into, into it. That's how they make money. Clicks. I mean, you see it, you're going to click it, advertising, they get money off of that. And same thing with TV. I mean, when they, we have become so desensitized to death. Like it, I will not watch unless something changes in me. I will not watch George Floyd's video of him, of him being killed. I've seen too many. I've seen like, I I have it, you know, like I don't need to watch it to get it. Yeah, but I won't I won't even entertain it anymore because that's something that we should not have to experience five year old kids who are in the living room and their parents are watching the news and they show Ahmaud Arbery's video of him being killed and that five year old sees that that's not okay. So I think I think that's so we we should never. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that, Mark. African-Americans are not like. Yeah, go news. You're representing us. Like some are for sure. Like, but again, not everyone. Not everyone in that in that community. That's that's why I say communities. It's not just one community. We have different. You know, that's almost a a strong point of unity right there, where we can all like we all get pissed off at the news. The news. You know, we can we can kind of be unified in that and recognizing like it is really hard to find. Not just unbiased news, but unsensationalized news. Um, and that's something that people don't want to do their research. There is unsa- unsensationalized news sources out there. It does exist. It's harder to find. Sure. Sometimes and it's not a Facebook graphic. Yeah. It's not a meme. It's not a meme. Just throw that out yeah. there. The movie, so there, there, there's a documentary that I highly recommend, and it's biased. So I'll say that. But again, I think every documentary is biased, but, oh, yeah. but maybe not. I don't know. There's a movie called 13th. It's, on, it's a Netflix original movie. Um, and it just talks about um, from slavery in the United States to mass incarceration um, and how there's actually a connection there, like with the 13th Amendment. That's how the name comes there, that the 13th Amendment has a clause. I know clause. the documentary has been really powerful oh, in this conversation. It's and an I know amazing that I've movie. heard a lot of people say, like, if you don't know what to do, 
If you don't know where to start, just watch that. And then there'd be some people that like we're thinking of right now who'd be like, no, I'm not for that. And they're and they and they do work in mass incarceration stuff. So um as I say, we need to recognize not everyone is for something because they have the same color of skin. Like we can disagree. But anyway, in that document, what I love is that they also call out the media. And like that's where it really hit me is that they can say at the same time we live in a systemically racist society and then say and the media doesn't help it, even though it's trying to help, quote unquote, trying to help. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, it's not helping. So anyway, that I think mean, that was a helpful that's such rant. An interesting and almost unexpected conversation yeah. for oh, me. Yeah. They're you trying know. to make a dollar. They're, yeah. They're, and I mean, I, and I, and I know that, but I just always figure like, oh, that, but that's so helpful in yeah. this context, you know, and, and social so media does not help the dehumanizing aspect is something I hadn't thought of. And that's a really good point. Yeah. It's not good for you to see someone dying. And then if you keep on seeing the same color skin person die, 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 like you, like we just psychologically like stereotype people then and implant that on them. Absolutely. So when you see another black person or brown person, you're like, I mean, we can see that, that it's not a big jump to see stuff over and over and over again on TV or on the news, and then we bring it to real life, and that's how we judge people. This just brings up prejudice again. So anyway, yeah, that was a rant, but I think it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was a worthy rant. That, yeah. was, that, was, that was really good. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to make a comment or ask a question of Mark, Jerron, or Matthew, you can send that to joplintoad at gmail.com. That's joplintoad at gmail.com. If we get enough comments and new thoughts, we might even do an episode three on the topic. This podcast is brought to you by the Joplin Toad, an online arts and humor magazine that loves the city of Joplin, Missouri. Give us a follow by searching for the Joplin Toad on your favorite social media platform. And would you do us a favor? If you enjoyed this, will you give us a quick rating on Apple Podcasts? Without your good ratings, we're like wilting flowers with no water. Don't let us wilt. This episode was hosted by Mark Neinschwander, produced and edited by Jeremiah Jones, and introduced by me, Fitherton Cramsworth Esquire. The song you heard was by Joplin band Blister Soul. Check them out on Instagram and check out our second and wall post on joplintoad.com to hear the full song. Later, Toads. <laughs>